You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Five of these virgins, the foolish ones, did not have the Holy Spirit in them. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now remember we said, what happens at the time of salvation? When you make a, and declare Jesus Christ as your Savior and declare Him as Lord, you repent of your sin, you become born again, what happens at that time? The Holy Spirit indwells in you, comes inside and takes up residence. You have the Holy Spirit. These virgins did not have the Holy Spirit, or five did not have the Holy Spirit. We are always looking for ways to be better. In today's message, Pastor Dave talks about how powerful the Holy Spirit is and what life without it means. He goes into the parable of the virgins and shows us in Scripture that it's better to have the Holy Spirit than to not have it. You can have the Holy Spirit if you choose to trust Jesus. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 1 as he continues his message. It's not for us to know. Jesus claimed, unless you hate your mother and hate your father, you cannot be my disciple. And you go, what? I love my dear old mom. I love my dad. And he didn't say the hate that we think of. He said, unless they are below me in priority, you can't be my disciple. Everything needs to be above everybody else, and he needs to be number one. He needs to be priority of our lives. So many of us get involved in so many different activities, good activities, wonderful activities. But where's your priority? Is your priority Christ first and everything else that comes that follows? That's the way it should be. That's the way He wants us. You know, we need to be busy doing the work of the kingdom of God and not allow our priorities to slip away. The teaching of the gospel is still the number one priority for us as Christians, as long as we live, as long as we're here on this earth, teaching the gospel message, living the gospel message, learning the gospel message. This passage that we're studying should exhort us to set our priorities straight. If nothing else, it should teach us the importance of changing the world through spiritual means rather than changing the world through physical or even worldly or political means, which can't be done, which makes no sense. That's why when people come to me, people come to me with prayer requests and they go, you need to pray for these people. And I said, yes, sir, I will pray for them. My first prayer is that they would know Jesus. My first prayer is that they would know Jesus and be saved and come into a lively hope. And then if it be the Lord's will, he can work on healing. Because what Good does it do to heal someone only to have them die and go to hell? That doesn't make any sense to me. I want them to be saved. Yes, I want healing. Don't get me wrong, I'm not hard-hearted. I want people to be healed. But I want them to be healed spiritually. Spiritually is where it counts. Because if there's one thing that's certain, if there's one thing that's a fact, ladies and gentlemen, is there actually there's two facts. Number one, we all will die. And number two, Jesus is coming back. Those are the facts as I know it. And I want people to be saved into a lively hope, saved into a love relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where the power is. That's where the power is. If anything, this passage should exhort us to a hope in Christ on this earth. One has to appreciate the curiosity of the disciples regarding end times. 
They asked Jesus a pretty good question. And you know what? It's one that many of us might be thinking about now. How many times have you said to yourself, gee, I wonder when the Lord's coming back. I wonder when he's coming back. You know, I'm tired of waiting around. I want him back. When are you coming back, Lord? Come and take me home. I'm tired of this world. Come and tell me. You've probably said that in your days. You wake up, the old back pain, and the old things start hurting. Lord, come and get me. I'm ready to go. The hope is that every true believer should have the hope of the return of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, in similar terms, spoke to the church of Rome in Romans 8, 22 to 25. He says this, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And not only they, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved with this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for that we do not see, then we eagerly wait with perseverance. Perseverance, long-suffering, we wait for it. Our spirits within us groan to be with the Lord. Our spirits groan to be with the Lord and to be one with Him. And we groan for that realization of a complete salvation. When we see Him face-to-face, our salvation is complete, and we won't need faith anymore. We won't have to worry about hope anymore. We'll see Him face-to-face. What a blessed day that'll be. Jesus told the disciples, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons. You're not to know. Now, Jesus spoke of this subject many times when he was with the disciples. And he spoke of this thing again when they were back on the Mount of Olives when it was called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the scholars call that the Olivet Discourse. I grew up learning it as the Sermon on the Mount, you know. But turn to chapter 24 of Matthew. Turn in your Bibles to chapter 24 of Matthew's Gospel for a minute, please. During this Olivet Discourse, Jesus now is speaking, and the disciples ask him a question again. They ask him a question which is very, very similar to what they ask him today. They want to know, what are the signs of the times? What are the signs of the times, and how will we know that the end of the age is coming? Tell us, he says in Matthew 24, verse 3, Tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus answered him and said, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places, All these are the beginning of sorrows, he says. They will deliver you up to the tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound and love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Then he talks about the great tribulation, verses 15 down. He talks about the coming of the Son of Man, what's going to happen. Then he starts to give the parable of the fig tree in there, and then in verse 36, in verse 36, he says this, but the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were... 
so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah, before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. There used to be a great song out. I used to love it. It was called The Day Like Any Day. And it talked about how it's going to be a day like any day, other day, and you're going to get up and you're going to start doing your things, and you're going to be doing your things, and all of a sudden, bang, the trumpet will sound. Boom, and we're out of here. What a day of liberation that will be. What a day we want to go there. But Jesus tells them. He talks to them and he refers to his coming. He tells the disciples that are questioning what signs are going to be. And so he proceeds to tell them about all the various signs that are going to happen and indicate his return. And then he gives them all the signs and the events that take place. He says, watch when you see these things happen. Now, it's cool when you're living in this day and age because we can see things like this happening. I mean, last year, who was curious that there was one earthquake after another last year? Every time you turned around, there was an earthquake. You were curious like, whoa, wait a minute. Says something about earthquakes in the Bible. Gee, and you're watching and you're waiting. This pestilence. I mean, the AIDS virus in Africa is a tragedy. There are billions of people down there dying. Is that the pestilence that he was talking about? Could be. It could certainly be. And all the other things, rumors of wars. You got Iran trying to make war with everybody in the entire world. We have a war going on in Afghanistan. We had a war in Iraq that we're still over there. People are dying for. And all these other little places. There's rumors of wars all over the place. Could this be the time? He says, watch. Watch. That's what he's referring to. Watch. Because he's coming soon. He's coming soon and going to take us home. Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica. There's another one. Thessalonica. In chapter 5. He says almost the exact same things. He says, of the times and the seasons you have no need that I write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly well that the coming of the Lord is as a thief in the night. But you are not child of darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. You're not in darkness, he's saying. You know. What is it in you that makes you know? Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a reason this passage is here. This passage is not taken totally out of the pie in the sky and thrown in there. There's a reason that this passage is here, because Jesus is still talking about the Holy Spirit. You can know the sign of the times. You can discern the sign of the times, and you can be ever watchful and waiting if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. The Word of Christ says, watch, be ready. And then he gives them a series of parables. And these parables emphasize that we're to be watching, to be ready when the Lord comes back, because we don't know when he's coming. It's important that we're watching and that we're waiting. So if you stay in your books and you continue into chapter 25, he again gives a whole series of parables of people who are not ready for the return of Christ. People who are not ready, not filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're waiting, and they get left out. They get left behind. They're not filled. They're not ready. 
The one parable that always stands out to me and one very curious to me is the very first one in chapter 25 in the book of Matthew, and it's the parable of the ten virgins. And I was very curious as to why we had this parable of the ten virgins and why, what it had to do with a wedding feast. And I'm thinking, Jesus, you never taught polygamy. You never taught, you know, having more than one wife. You always taught one wife. Well, as I did some digging, I find that this is a parable about the Holy Spirit. This is a power about waiting upon the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit when the bridegroom returns. This parable deals with the Holy Spirit and the importance of having Him in our lives. Let's take a real quick look at this. I'll read the parable. It's only uh, 85, no, it's only um, 13 verses. That's 25, 1, Matthew. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered and said, No, least there should not be enough for us, but you rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said to them, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore in that, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. What a horrible thing. And my heart cringes and my heart breaks for these people who are going to be caught up in that day, who are going to suddenly come to the realization that Jesus is who he says he is. And they're going to come to him and they're going, Lord, Lord, let us in. And he's going to say to them, depart from me, I didn't know you. Oh, what a crushing blow if that's one of my children. What a crushing blow if it's another one of my family members or a dear person that I work with or knew. What a crushing blow that would be to me if that's the person. Depart. I've never knew you. Oh. Well, that's what's happening here. And why is it happening? You have to look at what's happening here. Why ten virgins? Well, there were three stages of the Jewish wedding. There were three stages in the Jewish wedding. The first one was the engagement. And this is a formal agreement made between the fathers. They made, the fathers made a contract, they made a pact, and it was made. The second was called the betrothal. That was a big ceremony for the betrothal. It's a great big ceremony for this betrothal time. And mutual promises were made, vows were exchanged. But the third part was the actual marriage. And that took place about a year later when the bridegroom returned. A bridegroom was supposed to go away, build a house for he and his wife, and then he was supposed to return to get her, to retrieve her. Nobody knew when he would return. Nobody knew when he returned. So now you're thinking, okay, that's great, but what about the ten virgins? Okay. This is your wedding party, because anybody know what the Talmud is? The Talmud is a series of Jewish laws and Jewish traditions, and it's in a book. It's called the Talmud. And the traditional wedding party for a Jewess, a young lady who was going to be married, was 10. They were the wedding party, and they carried lamps as a celebration. Why did they carry lamps? That's what lit up the wedding party, where there are 10 lamps. 
So you have ten virgins meeting the bridegroom when he comes. They all weren't going to be married to him, but they were there for the wedding party. But they forgot their oil. Five of them didn't have oil. They didn't have their lamps. So when they trimmed their lamps, got their lamps going, there was no oil in them. Oh, we don't have oil. This is extremely important. Beginning in Scripture, when you go through the Scriptures, when something means one thing, it usually carries through and means the same thing all the time. In Scripture, oil is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Five of these virgins, the foolish ones, did not have the Holy Spirit in them. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now remember we said, what happens at the time of salvation? When you make and declare Jesus Christ as your Savior and declare Him as Lord, you repent of your sin, you become born again, what happens at that time? The Holy Spirit indwells in you, comes inside and takes up residence. You have the Holy Spirit. These versions did not have the Holy Spirit, or five did not have the Holy Spirit. They weren't born again. They're the ones that knocked at the door. Lord, Lord, why didn't you let us in? Depart from me. I never knew you. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying. You want to persevere to the end? You need to have the Holy Spirit. You must be born again, Jesus told Nicodemus. You must be born again. How can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born? No, you must be born of water, which is a natural birth, and you must be born of the Spirit, the born-again experience it's called. Well, how do I do that? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and you will be saved. And you will be saved. For it was with mouth that we make profession, confession unto faith. And it was our heart that we believe. We believe into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we are born again. And the Holy Spirit then indwells us and comes in and resides in our being. And now we're fit for the Master's use. We are ready now when He comes to retrieve His church. We are ready because the Holy Spirit is residing in us. And it's groaning in us, as we read in Romans, for that day when our Lord and Savior will come and take us away. What a glorious day that will be. Will you be there? Will you be there with me? Because we're going to know each other, it says in heaven. We're going to see each other. We're going to know. Great glory. In one of his messages says, you'd be surprised when you get to heaven. He says, there's a couple things you're going to find out. Number one, you're going to be surprised that you're there. He said, number two, you'll be surprised at who is there. And number three, you'll be surprised at who isn't there. Think about it. The Holy Spirit, it's paramount to be in your life. The only way you get the Holy Spirit to indwell in you is by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. By repenting of your sin and receiving Christ into your heart. If you want to be ready for Christ's return, if you want to be have that watchful experience when you're watching everything in the paper, right now you read, it, oh, yeah, there's another earthquake. Oh, boy, big deal. Now, when you read of earthquake, oh, another earthquake. I need to be looking. I need to be watching. Oh, wow, look, they're talking about a war. Oh, wow. I can't remember when it was, but it was one of the many, many, many Israel-Pakistan peace things and they kept on saying, and somebody even said it. Somebody even said, we're looking to have peace and safety here. Boy, my ears pop up. Because I knew that the day that newspaper said, peace and safety, we're out of here, man. I can't wait. We'll be gone. And I'm looking, I was waiting for it to happen. It never came in print. I never saw it. So obviously we're not still peace and safety yet. 
But I'm like, well, it's coming soon. But see, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not aware of those things. You know, it doesn't matter. You don't, you're concerned about those kind of things. You know, I hinge every time I, I turn on the news and I'm watching it. They're saying this thing. I'm like, oh boy, it's getting closer. Here we go. And it's exciting to me as a Christian. It's exciting because I have hope. I have the hope of Jesus Christ in my life. And that hope gives me a want to be with him. A want to be with him and to be a part of what's going on in heaven. I can't wait to see him face to face. I can't wait. So he says, not only walk in the Spirit, but be led by the Spirit. Depend upon the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit. These are all injunctions that are throughout the New Testament they tell us. Watch, therefore, because you don't know when the Lord's coming. You don't know when he's going to be here. Without the Holy Spirit, you're not ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Remember last week we said that the born-again experience is when the Holy Spirit comes into you as a believer. I found a scripture in Romans 8, verse 9. It says, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Wow. Wow. The virgins had the appearance of readiness. They had all the appearance, you know. They said all the right things. You know people like that. They say all the right words. They know all the quote-unquote Christianese language. Hallelujah. They know all that kind of stuff. They can say it and they repeat it. And you're like, all right, this person, yeah. Lack the Holy Spirit. These virgins lack the Holy Spirit. Paul told the Ephesian church in chapter 5, verse 18, he said, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this filled with the Holy Spirit, if you translate it into the Greek, it means be ye being filled. It's the constant filling of the Holy Spirit, a constant renewal. He's saying, don't be drunk with wine as though who don't have hope. Those who don't have hope. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and have hope in Jesus Christ because He is coming again. He will return and take His church. And then seven years later, He will actually return and step foot on ground on the earth again. Please, please hear me, church. Don't be one knocking at the door. Don't be one knocking at the door and hear those words which makes my skin crawl when my beloved Lord and Savior looks at you in the eye and says, depart from me. I never knew you. It is my fervent prayer that you not get left behind. It is my fervent prayer, church, that Come into this lively hope of Jesus Christ. Allow Him, through the Holy Spirit, to guide your life. Allow Him to be your life. Allow Him to be the priority of your life. Allow Him to be your hope. Jesus Christ, the righteous. You are You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth, even when it cost him his life. What courage in the midst of opposition! 
Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope. Show. Sure.